Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. 19! Hey! Nice, we just have Brittany roll every week. Hey! (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I just feel like this is like your 18th, 19th. No, she has been rolling well. I got a 19 before. You got the 20, though. Oh, I did get a 20. I just know I critical missed last week, so that's why I was like, (laughs) oh, Well, you you can't get a critical hit every week. I'm either real good or real bad. (laughs) That's fair. That's how D&D go. That's just... I almost said that's just how I roll. And then we would have just had to laugh and freeze frame. And, like, that would have been the end of the episode. (laughs) I would have ended our show so early. Can we freeze frame high five in, like, a podcast? Is that even a thing? Yeah. I'm telling you, if you say the wrong word, just the gods of entertainment are like, that's it. That's the ending (laughs) of your episode. You just used it. So, like, just be careful what you say. Be careful how hilarious an 80s sitcom ending you sound when you say something. I will keep that in mind. That's fair advice. I would have loved it if one of you had been like, I'm not going to roll those dice. (laughs) (laughs) I need to brush up on my 80s. Everybody go watch... uh, 16 Candles? Uh... (laughs) Because Breakfast of this Club. classic ending, ending like, where they, yeah, no, Breakfast Club, Club is has a classic ending, but it's fist in the air. You can't make a noise with that. I was going to say Family Ties just because I like that show. Oh, God, I haven't watched Family Ties in 100 years. I'm going to cut all of this. I'm trying to think of any 80s, 80s movie that has like an audio centric ending, and I can't think of anything where they do like, we will rock you. Like at the end, it doesn't happen. So you are thinking of the Mighty Ducks, and we have to get away from those <laughs> oh, wait, fucking ducks. <laughs> I was just gonna say that and now our show is ending to the sounds of queen i hope you're all happy yes (laughs) we've ended twice before we've even started that's gotta be a record here's our third opener let's talk about the adventure zone is this the first time that griffin has used like actual sound background like, sound effect. like yeah the sounds. sound of the rain yeah i think yeah. it might be besides like the horns during the race i don't mm-hmm. know if that counts or not because it's it not as at- i mean it's not well it's not atmospheric though right because <laughs> no, you've got you like mean. you've got like your background sound your right it was like ambient environmental sounds. sound yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it was an ambient, a subtle ambient sound of the rain. It was so nice. It made me want to go to bed <laughs> and just like lie down and take a nap. Well, and, and, and then you would have sound. been eaten by this monster, though. Which and, this I, is true. And this is another one. I know we already talked about Griffin's descriptions being so cinematic, but this yeah. is an incredibly another incredibly visual one, especially paired with this with this sound. Yeah. Of um, you know, that suddenly it's dark. And all yeah. they can see is the steam rising off of this silhouette of this monster, right. which is super creepy. So creepy, and like even mm. him describing like the sheets of right. Rain. Yeah, I miss that. And it Midwest gets it gets storms. creepier too because you've got this car coming out of nowhere, and we're initially not sure who it is or mm-hmm. why they're there, or even if it is a car. And then again, we're we just Griffin just keeps up in the creepy. I, mean, yeah. I did not think he was such a creep master, but he is. But that uh, <laughs> as the beast is as the as <laughs> the beast is is fleeing that all of these other tertiary animals like 
confused with its yeah. main form. This is extremely like, unsettling. Jump like, into it. Right. It gives us yeah. a sense. That's like, what I was surprised. I thought it would be like a pull in, but not like a leap in. That was. Yeah. Right. It's very, it's very like Miyazaki creepy. Yeah. yeah. So now we've seen like an, exactly how this is working. They are all plagued. All these animals who have showed up are plagued with whatever this black ooze is. And it's almost drawing them into this main source. Like this main yeah. abomination. Or bomb bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it, luckily though it runs off. And this these these lights do show up. And we get a new character. Gina Define. Which is in fact like the best Such character a good name. name. Is that... I mean I would change my name right now to that. Listen. Welcome to Romancing the Zone. I'm Juno Divine. I'm also Juno Divine. There you go. All of us are Juno Divine now. <laughs> Let's roll. <laughs> but he didn't say who on Twitter that was. So is that just a name he came up with? I don't know. Is that his secret? Like, if I were a girl, this is what my name would be? Maybe. Maybe his RuPaul's Drag Race <gasps> name? Oh my god, don't. Maybe. Okay, listen. I I want everything to go through a RuPaul's Drag Race phase. Like, I want every single thing I love to have a Drag Race episode. Makeovers, well, give me it, that makeup, give me that big hair, give me the glitzy dresses, I'm in. Or, like, a, you know, everybody suddenly has to go undercover and sing musical theater episode. Yeah, Which they wouldn't be quite qualified for. So maybe in another it. mini art. There's so many possibilities. To. Trev? They almost did it this time, though. They did, yeah. Yeah. They got very close. There has been a surprising amount of musical theater and (laughs) and community theater, considering that it was not actually Mm -hmm. completely relevant to the plot. But of course, of course, that was what Travis came up with as his cover of what what Aubrey was going to tell Juno about why they were out in the woods in the middle of the night. Which is brilliant. I really loved the way that Trav played Aubrey in this one. There are so many good moments with her. Yeah, I feel I feel like Travis really understands Aubrey. Mm hmm. Like, he really gets her, which is, it's really cool when you see somebody hit that point where they are like, oh yeah, okay, I know who this person is, and I'm I'm not going to have any hesitation about how, how I play them at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to be comfortable with it, because you come up with so much detail and, you know, really fun stuff, like Aubrey deciding that she's just going to be really excited whenever there might be a fire pun right. <laughs> somehow, like yeah. maybe that's a fire pun, which is, you know, she's just... It's it's so fun in this situation that's so creepy and weird to have She's, her just be kind of really positive about everything and excited about it. Yeah, I mean, even her. I mean, it kind of, it's kind of super fitting that yeah, she's our lady flame and she's kind of bringing a lightness to the yeah. entire scenario here. I don't remember if they said. Do we know how old she is? I don't oh. think that they've talked about that specifically because we know she's younger, mm. but yeah, I don't remember like early 20s very late teens let me let me look um yeah i was thinking mid 20s I, I think he might have mentioned it offhand on twitter maybe and not in the show i could see that mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like i have a reason to think she's about 25 well but... her behavior that seems to be along those lines but like, yeah i've met 40 year olds that act like they're 20 and i've met 20 year olds that act like they're 12 and <laughs> and further <laughs> very fair point yeah i don't know why i thought she was so young well she's I so feel like she's she so puts on a very young persona yeah and just kind of a little brash a little like a lot of fun yeah and very youthful so that makes sense she talks about like not really talking to her parents anymore and how long has that been going on i don't know there was a lot of openings for aubrey this time around of 
what is her background? What is her connection? And yeah. I did love the necklace that was stolen. Right. So it's not even like, it's not on me. It's not like, oh, it burns and now I can make fire. Like, that's not what's doing it. But hey, that is a thing. So I'm like, ooh, nice play there. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have this possibility that there's this this family heirloom necklace <laughs> with yeah. this really complicated, you know, interesting backstory. The flame bright pendant. Yes. Yes. I do love that Mama immediately was like, you didn't think to mention that. <laughs> that didn't cross your mind. Hilarious. It's stolen. It was stolen. So there's a mystery that I'm sure we're not going to, we will not know unless we get more out of Amnesty. Unless we vote now to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> if you want more TAZ Amnesty, <laughs> press three. <laughs> okay, so here's an idea that I had. After everybody goes home or goes to their respective sleeping spots, <laughs> and uh, that's where we have Mama talking to Aubrey, Ned goes back to the Cryptonomica, and he talks about it belonging to somebody else. Do you guys think that was Mama? I don't know, because it seems like he yeah. would have named her if that had been the case. It seems like this is another person that we don't know anything about, and that maybe there's an interesting story there. I, I wondered, it, because it was Kirby, that maybe he wouldn't have felt it necessary to say oh, her name, but I don't know. Yeah, that's possible. I, don't know. I feel like... I had some balance buzz going on right there where I could not focus. I kept, I went back and listened to that part at least 18 times. I am not even kidding. Oh my goodness. I can barely tell you what happened. Oh no. I just, I couldn't focus. I don't know what it was. I'm like, something's not letting me know what's going on. I could just remember (laughs) Ned, woman, and... I wrote, I think Kirby has a little crush on Ned. These are my notes from Ned's. (laughs) I'm into it. I got pretty far. Wait, Brittany, did you used to own the Cryptonomica? Did you flee to Alaska to hide your secret identity? I probably did. And avoid fish. Yum, 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 yum. Gobbled it up. That's right. Someone give me that juice. But yeah, I, I love that they're they're all laying groundwork for, for things. I mean, they were already deep characters, but now we find out that there's sort of, oh, okay, there's more to know about these people other than them just being sort of interesting on the surface. Right. They've got they've got past. They've got something something back there that in the future could come up if it was a longer storyline. Right. There's there's gonna be some payoff if we get more out of the story. I mean obviously, right. but I love laying that groundwork. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I love it. trying to pull in characters. That you want to oh see my the show. Internet father, you're so funny so and clever. clever. It was just such a cute little like, I'm gonna just try to slide this in. And Griff was like, Nope, you are not adding Garfield to this world. Nice try. Oh my I god, hope that was Griffin precious. does though. I hope we have that connective tissue. Um, yeah. Especially for a character like Garfield, who could show up mm-hmm. anywhere and it would just work. He's some kind of multidimensional being, apparently. Which totally fits with this entire story that we're getting so far. Uh, which brings us actually to, we learn the name of Duck's entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Minerva. I like, th- I like that. That sounds appropriately it's mystical. It's like a warrior name, yeah. yeah. And like that whole scene was also a little like, what just happened? The fact that she shows up, like she's there. Not moving, not... It was yeah, very so this creepy. Is, this that's is another... spooky. Like, that's yeah. spooky as hell to me. If I walked it's... in to my house, <laughs> to my bedroom, oh, no, and here saw we go. arm raised, not moving, yeah. and then hear that bluesy music, I would be uh-huh. out of the house. So fucking fast. <laughs> like, Ducks running gone. out of the like, house. Pants, pants around, around the ankles. ankles. <laughs> He's too chill for that. 
Stuff just does not flap him. I know. I love that about him. Listen. But I, I think, so I think this might be an important plot point, though, in, in the course of this oh, being a absolutely. fairly short storyline, because it's another another instance of sort of weird radio interference with this vision yeah. that he's Ooh, having. Yeah. I didn't even very think of it being radio interference. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're trying to Listen. tune in an AM radio station, you know, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night, and you get bleed mm. from some other station. Uh. I thought you were going to say, and specifically the blues start playing, and it's very classic sounding, but a little spooky. Well, maybe, yeah, I get all kinds of weird stuff. I have one good thing it reminds me of, and one creepy thing that it reminds me of. I'll start with the good thing. Please do. When our friends, Emily and Shannon, have to leave their dog, they always leave on NPR when they leave the house, and on Saturday nights, he gets to listen to the bluegrass ramble, and so that is what that suddenly made me think of. But the creepy thing it suddenly makes me think of is I have been playing Doki Doki Literature Club, and uh, without spoiling anything, I'll just say that this is sort of familiar to me now, this whole idea of, like, just, it's off. It's off, and it's wrong, and we get that with Minerva. Well, and we know what kind of storyteller Griffin is, that he likes to lay groundwork real early, so I think that this definitely has something to do with the National Radio Quiet Zone. I'm not sure how, but I'm sure it does. Like, maybe that's a bigger overarching. Yeah, Like, this is like our first mini-arc, and maybe that'll be part of the, the bigger plot. Well, and I want to go to bed. Oh. Yeah. No, I want to give I want to give Justin a really quick. Like I know I'm. I feel like I'm always the one giving Justin the shout outs, but I'm going to do it anyway. Damn it! We I, the rest I, of us just <laughs> don't like him. Just kidding. We love him. As I'm doodling, like I heart Justin and Sydney in my. <laughs> just thinking about Sawbones now. Like mm, so good. <laughs> but I I really like the the character piece of of Duck being a model shipbuilder. Um, oh and you know, like, and I was thinking automatically like ships and bottles, which he didn't specify, but yeah. that was what I was thinking. And I, and I like the idea of this, this character who's a chosen one who's rejected that of being this kind of pawn of, of fate that, mm-hmm. that he's creating these worlds, these tiny worlds that he's in control of and that he's oh, the master look of. Look at you. Ah. I love this. I don't know if that's where Justin was going with it or not, but it does I fit don't know, super well. But it, it absolutely fits. Yeah. And I love that you read that from it. My only thought was like, oh, yeah, dope. I have a two-bedroom house in my extra bedroom. I use a production room, too. What's up? (laughs) High five. That was all I thought. I thought, nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Duck. She says the same thing to me. No, who's not a nerd, though? What's up? Jake Cool Ice. I knew it. I knew you were about to say. (laughs) Hell, yeah. Let's roll on over to the Amnesty Lodge. Don't worry, everybody. Jake Cool Ice is in the house. Jake Cool Ice mystery cryptid. Right? Mm, What what is he? What do you guys think it is? We don't know. He is the abominable snowboarder. So I put that. (laughs) A bottle snowboarder I love. I was like, it's too obvious. It's too mm. on the nose. So I did a quick Google, and he may be a snow wasset. What is that? Enlighten us. It's a large weasel. Oh, sounds cute. That sheds its legs. All right. After what? the first big snow. So it basically becomes a <gasps> large his weasel baby snake. legs. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then he, like, so some kind of snow wriggles snake? around on the ground. Yeah, basically. And, like, uh, it, but he's huge. And, like, we'll pull uh, wolves into the snow. Wait, hold on. Glides along the snow. Rewind that back. (laughs) He can pull wolves into the snow. Oh, I thought he said worlds. And I was like, shit. Oh, that's way better. It is. No, that's it. TM, TM, TM. (laughs) 
We're making the best cryptids over here. Listen, we're starting our own story. We're doing the Jake Cool Ice spinoff. So I was thinking Snow Wasset. W A S S E T. Okay. If anybody else wants to look it up I'm and ready. say I'm totally wrong, I'm down. Because, <laughs> yeah, okay, so we had Jake Cool Ice, who might be a Snow Wasset or the Abominable Snowboarder. There was a young woman uh, writing music, presumably at the piano, which I thought was interesting. And then there was Danny, who was sketching. And I said, oh, what up, Danny? Same. Also, we have the same name, kind of. High five. (laughs) Okay, so we have everybody showing up because Mama was like, everybody, tomorrow, be there or be square. So they roll up because nobody wants to be square. I was really hoping they'd be having brunch. Not going to (laughs) lie. Just mimosas all around. Hell yes. (laughs) <laughs> First of all, before I get into what I was about to say here, uh, Brittany, how fucking charmed were you by Barclay being, like, the cook? Were you, like, I... so into it? Always. And I knew he was from far, far <laughs> earlier. But, like, when he's Wait, actively doing it... Yeah, in, in the very first part, when they get to the lodge, she's like, I'll have Barclay make you some dinner. <gasps> oh. And then Ned references, like, it. oh, you're the cook from the Amnesty Lodge. You made me that wonderful Monte Cristo. And... I love it. I forgot all about that. I'm those. Yeah. very Bits. paying attention to Barclay. <laughs> she's got a vision board already. So. <laughs> These are my 2018 goals. You're already you're already coming up with this cooking show. <laughs> I know I wrote in my notes just Barclay and Big Hearts, but I don't know where it is. It's just <laughs> on the side everywhere. And I just love the idea of him actively doing it. It's not just that's what he does, never see it, but here he is serving. Yeah. And it's a delicious stew, of course, which is just so cozy on this August day, I guess. But still, in my world, it's very (laughs) cold. So I'm like, ooh, stew. Stew always sounds great. It does. It sounds really good, especially when it's all cold here. Um, I knew you would appreciate that. So I just wanted to get your take really quickly before moving on. I just had to make a note here. And, like, I just – Clint immediately rolling and understanding – the character of Ned Chicane so well to be like, Mama, what the hell? How do you have so many people here? It was genius. It was a great it was a great reaction to this scenario mm-hmm. of like, okay, well now I know this isn't a dream. I think I'm gonna get tips on higher trip advisor ratings. <laughs> it was just so well played. Like and are you on the internet? Things. Like, oh, so sweet. <laughs> and the boys and just it, cracking up behind him. Like Oh my yes. god, I loved it. Can we talk about the abominations? Yes. The nom noms or the bomb bombs? Which <laughs> yeah, nom noms right. immediately I want to eat. You know why they went to nom noms first, subconsciously? No, I don't. Because of friggin' Nature Box, because of all ah, of the peanut butter nom noms over and over it. and over again. There you go. A little wink wink. Now I kinda want them too. <laughs> well, and that's why I'm thinking, mm, snack. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds good, nom noms. What a cute name. Even bomb-bombs, which they settled on, is yeah. especially cute. I did love every time they said it. Aubrey, thank you. Like, <laughs> appreciate it. And they, they settled on it, on on using that as the term instead of abominations. And I, did, I didn't hear it the first time. The second time I heard Duck go, like, really <laughs> quietly, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I just give it. It's the battle that. has been lost. I do love it. Yeah, he was like, come on, we can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't, can't fight be this alone. I can't things. be the only one pushing back. Duck is serving up some realness and being, like, the person in the room closest to being like, I'm just, I'm leaving. Like, I'm walking out <laughs> this window and I'm gone. 
It is important, though. Thank you for bringing up the abomination. Because, like... Nom noms. Bomb bombs. Shoot. (laughs) Pardon me. Um, (laughs) Let me see if I got this correct. I may have misheard them. Did they say that the sylphs say they didn't come from Sylvain? Like, they're not taking responsibility for them? So then where the hell did they come from? Good question. That was my question. I said, so where do they come from? Abominations, bomb bombs, aren't of either world. So do you think it's just like interference? I wonder. It's kind of like when you have a walkie talkie and then you like pick up like somebody's baby monitor and you're just like, oops. So like the bomb bombs are a baby monitor (laughs) in physical form. Bomb bomb baby (laughs) monitor. That's hilarious. That's but... <laughs> the only thing I can think of. <laughs> no, no, but I know, I know where you're coming from. Like you get, you get another signal. Like we were talking about signal bleed that you yeah. get, you get some other station yeah. bleeding through. Yeah, I think, I think that's that's probably exactly what's going on. And we, and we don't really know, as far as we know, Duck's visions are not from Sylvain either. So Minerva is yeah. not from there. So we don't know where she's from. Like, uh, there's clearly a lot more so going on. There's a bunch of gates, though. Correct. Yes. Yes. So are all of them in, like, a radio area? Ooh, I don't know. Do the bomb bombs show because up Because that's everywhere? where, like... Good question. Right. And this is where there is just so much more that we just don't know, and we can't possibly know with only one more episode left, because they even talk about Barclay and, like, Bigfoot and... Uh, which I I love that they're like, oh, right, some of the people in this room don't know that Barclay's Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, P.S., yeah. what's up? Big yeah, Aub- Aubrey's outburst about him being famous was it hilarious. Was terrific. Mm-hmm. So well done, you guys. So they bring up the fact that, like, there are multiple places where Bigfoot is is said to exist. So they kind of attribute all of that to Barclay. And I kind of wondered about that. And luckily we had um, my friend Albie at Daily Durian on Twitter had tweeted at us and said, do you guys think Barclay's adventures to Washington, etc., are quote-unquote, in canon, or are they other, quote-unquote, look-alike? He says abominations, but I think he means selves. See, but I didn't or know maybe he... it is abominations. Yeah, like an abomination, like, Ooh, I want to cause problems for Barclay slash... Ooh, I bet he did mean that, and I was just like, oh, maybe he means mm-hmm. other... Other selves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I honestly just kind of assumed he was racking up a lot of frequent flyer miles, but... <laughs> I love the idea of him uh, vacationing. Like, I got to go see different places. There's a lot going on. But I also like the idea of he and Mama being, like, very well known in these hunter groups, Mm -hmm. which is a dwindling factor, I believe. Faction, sorry. Yeah. I know my words sometimes. Um, You got it. I feel like he could be called out to help. Oh, I like that idea. That's a good idea. I love a helpful man. Yeah, I'm in, I'm into that. That makes sense. So I like that idea that it is like if it is like the sylph, it is all Barclay. If all these other Bigfoot sightings are sylphs, it's always Barclay. But then, of course, I also appreciate this other creepy insinuation that it may be abominations who are mm-hmm. not of Sylvain and not of our world who are being mistaken as Bigfoot. Oh, creepy. And they have different instincts. So this one's instinct is to, like, pull all the forest animals into it. Another's instinct could be to eat every tree. I'm just making stuff up now. And another's instinct could be I'm going to impersonate the sylphs and get them in trouble. 
Yeah, and you know, a little a little tiny bit of that came from um, the Keeper Handbook because there uh-huh. are there are categories of monsters. There mm-hmm. are different types, and one of them is literally called Beast. So I think that that's you know, so you have these like archetypes of, and it's partially the, the what the monster's motivations are, and partially what its like fighting style is. Um, these different categorizations. Um, so okay. I think I think a little bit of the concept came from from that base from that from that building block i'm glad at least one of us is looking into the keeper book here i i forget they have one i'm just so like <laughs> oh what can i make up now i just go spirit me away on a on a magical journey every week entertain me i'll just believe anything you say well i don't think i mean i think griffin's definitely taking he he's really good at taking these tiny seeds because i mean they the discussion that they have also about defining the monster's weakness that's another thing that when you're filling out these worksheets that you have to know as the keeper about your given monsters but it doesn't limit what you can do with it in the story sense it's just a place to start i see listen griffin is basically a johnny appleseed he (laughs) takes seeds and grows beautiful apple trees, and then he goes around planting more seeds, and who knows what those are going to grow up to be? Like a lemon tree? Like I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because like... they model apple trees. <laughs> a hot dog like... tree. <laughs> a hot dog. Tree. <laughs> French fry tree. Okay. So the gate showed up. <laughs> Chocolate fountain. Stop tree. it! The gate showed up in '88. '88. Great year. I felt like immediately that should be a shirt, like. Holding the gate since '88. Ah! <laughs> oh, and I'm gonna like draw Mama like sporting it. Like, what up? Oh my God! Please do that. You got it. I will. I will pay big money to have a shirt that says that, and I will cosplay Mama tomorrow. Hell yes, we're doing it. Let's do it. This would be an interesting origin story too. Like, if if there's a spinoff with Jake Cool Ice and Mama, maybe about how how this <laughs> happened in the first place that she wound up running this lodge. <laughs> We're just, listen, we are also Johnny Appleseed. that's the 80s show that we need. <gasps> Freeze frame. Yeah. We're going to get right. there. I might just be pitching better team. off dead, but with cryptids, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't even that. care. Let's do it. We're doing it. So yes, the gate shut up in 88, holding the gate since 88. Um, and they're the Pine Guard. And they all giggled about it, which was very funny. <laughs> which they all went to Pine Sol, But Pine Guard <laughs> is literally a, pi- a gutter filtration and protection from pine needles. It is? So, like, the gutters on your house? Yeah. Like, it is, like, trademarked and everything. Did you look it up, or is that just, like, a thing that everybody in the last I looked it up because I knew it. Like, I knew that word. I was like, this is not something new. I've seen this. I've heard this. I'm like, I have to look this up. And, yeah. I see. Well, there... (laughs) Now we know how she made all her money. If you need your gate protected, or... (laughs) Yeah, hey, maybe that's it. That's that's where she got the money to run the lodge. She invented... uh... Well, and it would make sense because they got a lot of pine mm-hmm. trees in Kepler. Right? She just got to filter it, it somehow. I'll never tell. So then, if she ever gets caught saying the pine guard, they're like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> well, so so pine guard is going to be good for them in the real world, maybe too. Since Griffin was joking about making making merchandise, which of course, the second he mentioned it, I was like, "Ooh, merchandise design!" And I started yeah. doing it immediately. You did. It's beautiful, you guys. Okay, Mama like gives everybody patches, or she pulls out a patch and shows it to them. And even the way it's described as being, like, a little retro, and you made a beautiful design for it. I love it. We'll post it. We'll post it when we... Uh, we'll post it tomorrow. Yeah, when we share this episode. When the if you are listening to this, I can guarantee you, you can go to our Twitter and see Anne's beautiful design, which I want. I'd wear it. 
Sure. I would also wear it, which is why I made it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. We'll we'll make those badges. Brittany can hold it on the inside of her duster when she's wearing the shirt that says "Holding the Gate Since '88." <laughs> fucking right. <laughs> And we'll have to find out where everybody else wears them because mom is essentially trying to recruit them. It's it's a similar yeah. situation to uh, the director and Balance mm-hmm. kind of being like, we need you. You guys know that this is up now and we need the extra help here. We don't have time. We learned that there's a time limit here that if we don't fight this monster now, it's just going to get worse and it's going to be able to expand its territory yes. so we have to do this now and we need you and it's and it's literally a monster of the week because they have a week uh-huh. to defeat it before everything goes goes Perfect. sideways yeah i see you <laughs> and much like clint's earlier moment of just like genius play we get such a good raw character moment out of duck from justin oh, and yeah. i loved it like are there podcasting acting awards is that something that can happen? There are now. I don't point? know, right? We're going to start those. We're going to call it the the smoochies. And you win a smoochie <laughs> for excellence in podcasting. We are doing this. But God, the, the earnestness in him when he does that. Yeah. I can't do that in real life at all, let alone when I'm role playing. Like, oh my I've God. never felt that passionate about anything, says Brittany. It's so foreign to me, but thank you for teaching me. <laughs> We're so used to the concept, I think, really, of the reluctant hero, because that's sort of part of the, the hero's journey, right? That, mm-hmm. they, that they refuse the, the, the challenge initially and then eventually take it up. Yeah. But I, I like that the direction he's gone with it is that Duck is just kind of done with it. He's not he whiny. Yeah. He's not, why is it, why is this falling to me? He's just like, no, I'm just not, I'm not this guy. I'm not this person. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want it. Not because I'm upset or because I'm weak, just because I know that it's not for me. Yeah. And I'm scared and being honest about being scared. And I love that Aubrey's the one to kind of reach out to him and make that blatant statement, which is exactly what had to be said, which was like, I get it. This is scary. And I can't help myself. I do have one quick sidebar here from this really great character moment that we get here. When he, when Justin says, really think about this for a second, I flashed so hard back to Taco saying that to Magnus at the end of balance there's that moment oh, yeah. and i won't say what it is yeah but taco says it just like that to magnus and my heart just left briefly it was just like bye then aubrey did end up bringing it back when she reached out to duck yeah and her her earnestness is such a good counterpoint to this because she's so enthusiastic yeah and not not in like an overly aggressive way just in a really straightforward way that she whatever she's excited about she just says it out loud which yeah. i think is a little bit travis too <laughs> but i think her her speech was great and it wasn't necessarily eloquent but it was really powerful because it was so honest it was genuine yeah um, yeah and i i really like that idea of what what is it she says our, our little bit of being scared is way less than all of theirs added together oh, that I love it. even if you don't think you're a strong person that you still have a responsibility to protect the people who are weaker than you. Yeah. Which is a which is a good sentiment. Not like you can you need to do this because you can, but you need to do this because you're slightly more able than somebody else. It was really beautiful. Well, and it's enough. What she says is an, is enough to keep Duck here to at least try to come up with a plan. Yeah. And that plan is 
Somebody. All of us spaced out. Somebody who took better notes than me. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. You listened to it twice. I okay, know. okay, okay. I remember what it was. So it takes <laughs> them a while to come around to the plan, but basically the plan is let's get this monster into an isolated place away from people right. where we can set it on fire without burning down the entire forest at the same time. Because Duck is good at his job. <laughs> yes. The, the, <laughs> I'm glad he's good at that. his job. Like, he is const- <laughs> he's the constant, what is his job, ranger? Yes. Yes. Like, that's always on his mind. Like, you're going to have yeah. to put out the fire. We're not burning down these trees. This is not going to be, like, <laughs> no matter what it is, he's still thinking about his job. And I love love that he speaks for the trees somebody has to do it it. but yeah so they're gonna corner corner the monster in it in a cave Mm -hmm. and then just really set it on fire just as much right and this part was so brilliant and actually we had another um another tweet from yavowl i think is how you say it it's at giv zero wl and they said I thought the boys bouncing off each other to set up the finale and character was very cool. Yeah, I was I was super into that as well. Because I think you could easily, if you wanted to just look for a reason to be critical, say, well, oh, nothing happened in this episode. And it's weird that they oh all just goodness. sat around a table and discussed this. Except that, you know, the cool thing about this form of storytelling is you're not just seeing the story. You're actually seeing the story forming. And it gives yeah. you so much more insight into the characters and into the creators as well, I think, to some extent. Yeah. It's like... It's like uh, like MTV Unplugged for stories, right? Like, it's acoustic, you know? <laughs> no, I absolutely get what you're saying. And I'm so glad that Givalo said this because I totally agree. I think, like you were saying, even though there isn't a ton of action to be had here, these are the times where we get really great character development. And these, impo- these moments are so important because this is where we see the boys interacting with each other, like the players interacting with each other. We get a little bit extra from all of them when they get to play off of one another. And I think we get some really, really just brilliant results from it. Even like when they bring up the weapons, Ned and Duck. Right. Just... It was their back and forth. He's like, I told you to get rid of it. I don't throw anything away. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. The <laughs> Duck just like being immediately so... Like, already ready to walk out. And then Ned still having his sword that he's like, are you kidding me? And not does it. And then it's, so, it's so much more complex that it wasn't just that he kept it, but that, that Clint throws in there that Ned did try to sell it on <laughs> eBay and failed. He did do that. <laughs> also, what I loved even more was that we learned this secondary room in the Cryptonomica is called the chicanery. And- chicanery. <laughs> <laughs> Because he kept saying the chicanery. I'm like, does he not remember the name of his own store? No, no, he does. That's just that extra interior room. Fucking genius. I wonder how long he was sitting on that. Oh my god, I love it. It's very appreciated. So that was beautiful, and I loved it. What I also really loved was that it was Aubrey who kind of took the initiative here. Like, Mama let him know, like, this is what has to be done. And Aubrey was the one going, okay, here's what we've got what can we do and kind of leading everybody to then the roles that they would play. And then we have Ned saying, I can put the Wookiee costume back on and draw him there. (laughs) Not just put the Wookiee costume on, put put the Wookiee costume, dunk it in all the animal (laughs) feces. And then sit in your precious car. I hope he puts a liner down. down. Yeah. Get one of those doggy liners. And, 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 uh uh-huh confirmation that it is a convertible <gasps> yes <laughs> so, <sir. laughs> and then we have you know duck was the one who gave us the place and aubrey of course is kind of our 
big hit when it comes to the actual damage, but we need extra fuel here. And then she comes up with having the generator. Thank you. That's the, the one. Oh Take wow! The fuel from I the like, generator. I don't even know. Maybe I don't know how generators work. I don't. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. It depends on the type of generator, but the fuel they run on is really flammable. So that's where I'm kind of like, oh, we're not just going to use fuel. We're getting a generator in there. Yeah, diesel diesel burns with a lot of fire. Sure. If I recall correctly. Then you just get a barrel of diesel. Well, see, Take that's where I'm. You. I'm very intrigued here. So that's their kind of fighting game plan as it stands right now. And that brings me to actually the second part of Give Owl's tweet, which said, how do you think the final battle will go? And I think it's going to go as well as Griffin's going to let it go. <laughs> that's the right answer. Because, yeah. I mean, they have to roll for it, but mm-hmm. I yeah. do think they have planned for it. And they did nail pretty much everything and everyone plays a part. And I find that to be super swell. Because sometimes you've got that one person who's the human who just kind of sits back mm-hmm. and hopefully does something neat by the end or acts as bait. But I feel, oh, I guess the human is acting as bait. Sorry, no. A little bit. <laughs> He's being the lure, I would, which I mean, baits are lure, yeah. but like, uh, at least, uh, well, it's of his own volition, at least. Right. And he's got and it's a, a very car. clever it's not way. just him wandering around hoping uh-huh. to not get eaten. Exactly. He's a very active lure. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And on top of that, I almost forgot to mention his weapon he's going to bring, which is a 350 mm. Magnum. Is that the weapon that Merle said he was going to use it when he was riding on Geralt? the Thank weapon you. that Merle Thank wanted. Thank you. And okay. the second Ned said it, I was like, ring! You and I had to jump back because I know exactly what episode it is. Yeah. I know where in the episode it is because I <laughs> yes. run to that episode all the time. Perfect. And... The other thing about that, though, is I don't think he's right. <laughs> he keeps saying it's the most powerful Maybe handgun, but I looked it up. I Googled it, and it's the 500 Smith & Wesson Magnum mm. is currently the most powerful handgun. Uh-uh. But maybe he's going off of something else. So I'm not saying that I know more about That's guns it. than Clint does. Brittany has called out Internet Father, and we're going to have to have him. Oh, no, I'm fighting Clint now. <laughs> you're now fighting Clint. Now you're dueling at Travis dawn. Travis is now the... <laughs> I'll have the 500. <laughs> oh no, Jesus. Got... And bring it super fucking dark to take us out of here. And so dark. And, like, and then we'll have a standoff and only one will walk away. <laughs> and scene. Is there anything we missed in our notes that we want to bring up now? On that happy note? There was one thing yeah. I did want to talk about. Please. And it is the fact that I am very bad at math mm-hmm. and <laughs> was very excited when Mama said she's been doing this for 30 years. I was like, oh, great. I can. Oh, right. 1988. Like, <laughs> I had to pull out the calendar <laughs> to figure out how many years has it been? If this is 2018, what's it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> that's what she started. So I, I can do the math. Good. I don't want to. <laughs> That was my brain moment. But I love the visual of a 20-something mama Mm -hmm. finding the gate, being a part of this, and, like, taking that. Like, it's very Aubrey. At that point, she was just nanny. (laughs) 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 She's au pair. Right. At that point, she was just au pair. And I'm wondering, was she a townie or a ski bum? Because this is probably when Kepler was in its heyday need to know everything there's so much the people here. demand the prequel we oh, need more 
We're going to write it. Jake Cool Ice will be there. <laughs> I'm very excited for this venture. Yeah, I think that's all the notes I had besides this last one, which is just uh, Duck is super hot, right? Right? Like, that was the only text I could send. Yeah. It was, I sent it to Nell and I was like, <laughs> what was it even? It was like, fuck, Duck's hot or something like that. <laughs> Something very eloquent like that. Yeah. I think it was like, oh, no, Duck is hot. I don't know. Damn it, Duck is hot. That's it. <laughs> and we we really don't even know what he looks like, but it's like it there's nothing that. sexier than, oh. than this character development and this 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 little mini arc of his of his personality that mm-hmm. we see that, that he goes, he starts out being reluctant at the beginning of this scene and through this conversation with these other characters, they manage to convince yeah. him to get to this point where he thinks he needs to take responsibility and then has an incredibly badass action movie moment that ends the episode where he says, I'm going to take back what's mine. Uh, Like super stone cold, badass delivery. You can get it. Yeah. Chills every (laughs) time. So good. So good. And it's the perfect, it's the perfect lead out for this episode to get you psyched for it. They are going to take this giant monster down. Hell yes. I believe again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're all just as excited as we are for next week's finale. And until then, we have one more very important question for everyone. And that is simply, what do you think Duck's cat is named? Get at us over on Twitter at RomancingZone. Until next week, thank you so much for listening. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone.